It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. WA's Novated Leasing Specialist can save you thousands on your dream car. Fleetnetwork.com.au Right around Western Australia on SEN. It's Scotty and Goss for breakfast with Scott Cummings and Tim Gossage. Morning everyone, it is four past six. It's an overcast day, and when we were walking in, there was a bit of precipitation, just a very light spit. And I don't know if it was the bloke that was standing on the upper level here at Optus or was coming out of the sky. Good morning, Scotty. Morning, mate. He's not a fan. He's not a fan, (laughs) but uh, great to be here. Last day of the week. Toolkit Depot. Sorry? You're not having another day off. No, it's not a day off, no. Oh, you're not. He's not having a day off. Day over there to contribute to the world. Just off to Melbourne uh, today to head over for the uh, the pucker up ride, which is uh, Wade's. You're doing the ride? You've done the ride? Uh, no, practice? no. I uh, I politely declined the ride invite. I've done three, and um, and they were some of the toughest things I've done. Um, but um, you know, one sitting to Melbourne, one eighteen hundred k's and fifteen and a half thousand metres of climbing, and you can imagine me on a bike, goss climbing. I'm not made for that. So, anyway, this one's uh, three days of climbing hills. Uh, but it's all for um, uh, mental health awareness and the people all get in there and the people that are riding will get in and, and tell their stories and it's uh, it's really moving stuff, but I'm very proud to be a part of Pucker Up and Good stuff. heading over for that for a couple of days. Toolkit Depot Studios, where we are here for Fleet Network. WA's Novated Leasing Specialist. Save you thousands on your dream car, fleetnetwork.com.au. The show ahead is um, Riley Morgan's going to be in the studio. Of course, he'll come up some winners. Huge day, day two of the Pinnacles at Ascot on Saturday, and Riley's in red tipping form. Mike Hussey will join us out of 7 o'clock. He's the part-time England batting coach. He was involved in the World Cup victory, but he's going back into the Fox footy cricket and analyst role today because the ODI series starts against England today at the Adelaide Oval. You hear all the action on SEN. Mike Clayton, we held over an interview with Mike, former golf uh, professional, golf course architect and golf writer. has got plenty to say about the Live Tour oh, yeah. and a few others. And so Sam Edmund uh, will join us. So does Rory McIlroy. Yes, uh, Rory certainly did have a, a little bit of a go at... Uh, a little at, bit of a go. <laughs> he took out the driver. At Greg Norman. More on that a little bit later today. And today... Thursday, November 17, we've done a preview uh, of On This Day. We're back. We're back bigger than ever. So you think? You, you, you don't want to miss it. You do not want to miss it. <sighs> I have to listen to another one. No, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. I always look forward to it. Yeah. Sometimes I walk away horribly disappointed. But other times I'm pumped. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six is the temper at Bedshed Text Line. Don't forget tonight as well, uh, Courtside, Perth Wildcats, yeah. the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Are you calling that? Yeah, I'll be there. Why not? <laughs> well, something else to do. Uh, looking forward well, to that. you have a little nap today, you think? Nah, no nap today. Nah, uh, I don't know what I'll do today. Uh, I might stay Clean here. Clean the pool, mow the lawn. Nah, no, oh, pool's got issues. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. 
So what happened was it works, and the, and the water's blue, but all of a sudden that's starting to get a green, like a tinge on the on the wall. Ah, it's good for your skin. Get in there. It's like so, a acid wash. So it's so it is a chlorine, and it's a self chlorinating pool. Okay, oh, I like that. But the little um, sensor clearly wasn't touching the sensor pad, and so it's not it's not self chlorinating. It's not oh no, it's not doing its own thing. This is a serious golden triangle issue, yeah, and, this, it is. and, and it's going, it's it going is. through the streets. The golden it triangle. It is. It is. So I um uh, had to go to the pool shop yesterday and yep. chat with my man Paul. Mm. And normally, Paul the pool shop guy. Yeah. Uh, and normally, when I go to Paul the pool shop guy, or I speak to Paul the pool shop guy, mm. he drops everything and comes straight round. Yeah. Oh, good man. No, couldn't squeeze me in. Oh. Yesterday or today. So I told you, it's going through the golden triangle. This little green algae. <laughs> It's going through. <laughs> about time something bad happened to yeah. you, mob. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, a self In your, in your old neck of the woods, it's called marijuana. It'd <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be a crisis if it was going missing. <laughs> so anyway, he's coming at 7.30 on Friday morning, which is Excellent. great. That's great, because I won't be there. <laughs> and everyone else will be woken up by the two barking dogs, yep. screaming kid. Good. Uh, one daughter who doesn't get out of bed till 11. Um, baby, mate, I can't wait. 7.30, wake up, call, he'll just... And I said to him, just come and knock on the door and let him know you've arrived. I'm, <laughs> I'm, tuning, I'm tuning in. It'll be 10.30, I'm tuning in, and I reckon that 7.30, there'll just be a real chipper tone to your voice. Oh, I'll be up and about, so uh, good to see the others. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll roll out of bed at some stage. Thanks to Fleet Network, we're here, and we did try to get um, him on the show, Shane Bolton. <laughs> Shane Bolton, tried again. I tried again yesterday, and uh, the answer was no. So it's it's not Shay. Is is it his manager? Has he got a problem with you? I don't know. Is that what it no, is? No, no, he's Hayes's mate. Well, maybe he doesn't have a problem with me. Oh. Anthony Vanderwill is his manager, and he said, no, no, he's on holidays. Oh, man. I know. Oh, I, know. I know. So he's not taking a phone call anywhere? Nah, apparently not. Oh, come on. Apparently not. Come on, Fanny. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. No, we've got plenty to get through anyway. Um, a question without notice for you, uh, just, just so, do you think, do you think? Not often. Do you think, and I, <laughs> don't say that, <laughs> um, is Adam Simpson the right man? <laughs> oh, where did this come from? It's a question without notice. Come on. That's... It's, a, it's an off the cuff. That explains it. Yeah. Scotty and Goss, off the cuff. Yeah. Love a sting of the boys, don't How I? long do you reckon Adam Simpson's got at West Coast? Oh, um, <laughs> I think this... Because next... I had to think about this yesterday, so it's a rhetorical question. I was talking to someone about this yesterday, actually. Uh, one of Lois's mates we were talking, and well, the day before. I, sorry, I think... sorry, can you tell me what it was? Yeah, one of Lois's mates. I just thought I'd start going through Lois's phone book and ringing people. And... Um, I think next season's going to be massive for Simo. I think it is. No, there's no more excuses now. Like they had all every excuse and reason under the under the sun last this season, just gone. Mm-hmm. But they're they're done now, and I, and I don't think it's so much going to be wins and losses. It'll be how the losses come. So if they if they are those turn up the toe type losses where they just get run over and there's there's no fight, then Simo will be under pressure for sure, even though he's not the one putting his head over the footy. Because the rebuild has started. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, has it? Yeah, it has. It, and you'll see more of it. You've still, you've got, you, can't just, you can't just throw them all out. I mean, Kennedy's gone. Mm-hmm. Redden's gone. 
Gaff's got a couple of years to run. McGovern's still got A-quality football left. Hearn is is probably the one that sort of goes, oh, I didn't no, get him, but he had a good year. Deserved his, so so deserved I'm not convinced there. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, they should have dug a bit deeper with their with their playing list. But you can only bring so many kids in at any one time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have I have I have high hopes that Adam Simpson and I be, I was thinking about this yeah, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I think West Coast will win a flag before Fremantle does. Wow. Well, you look where they sit right now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but they, where they both sit right now, I think Fremantle's window is absolutely wide open. 100% of this. Mind you, I'm still staying. I'm still got me stuffed here. Why so many wanted out? Buggered there. But um, I have a sneak. Playing list wise, they're in much better nick than, than West Coast. 100% they are. But also, and I've said this before, I don't subscribe to the fact that it's going to take West Coast five years to bounce back and, and to get back within contention. I'm not a chips-in guy on Luke Jackson. I'm not saying he can't play, and I'm not saying he's going to be a star of the future. But is Luke Jackson's footy now, right now, the answer to them, one, kicking enough goals, two, dominating inside 50s, where where they got plenty of opportunities and just continually failed? Backline strong, midfield very good. Fife's going to be a, a, a plus as well because he's going to be fitter. I am still not sold on their list and their lack of firepower. Yeah. And that means not just next year, but I'm worried going forward. And everyone keeps telling me, get off Josh Tracy's back. He's oh, only he's a, not off his back. He, like, he's was, a 20-year-old, so he's only a boy. Yeah, no problem. But he needs to He needs to now, he needs to knock that door yeah, down. But there are 18-year-olds coming into the system that are taking the game by the scruff of the neck. So being 20 is... Not an excuse anymore. Have very, I got it wrong thinking that West Coast will win a flag? And I'm not talking uh, about tomorrow or next year. I just look at the list and I look at where they're at and where the window is right now. Yeah. And I think West Coast, I, I am concerned about Fremantle, not free-falling. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm just, something telling me that I'm not convinced that they've still got the team, the squad available. Yeah, no, I've, well, if you're looking at them right now, you're crazy if you don't think Fremantle are in a better position to win Correct. a premiership Correct. Uh, than West Coast. But, but I don't think they can. But yeah, Well, that's the thing. And that, I think that's more historical than anything else, though, isn't it, Goss? I mean, they, they're a club that obviously haven't won one. And until they do, I think we find it hard to back people in. But oh, if, if you had to have your last $10... Uh, on a team winning a flag first mm-hmm. in the Freehold West Coast. For, well, first of all, you'd ask yourself the question, why have you only got $10 left? Uh, you've made some poor decisions in life, but you'd go Fremantle. I'd definitely go Fremantle. What are your thoughts? 13, 12, 55, Tookie Depot open line or 0487736736, temperate bedshed, bedshed are the experts in temper, mattresses, pillows and bases. Agree or disagree, have your own opinion. Um, and this is what this radio is about. And don't forget after, I was going to say after 8 o'clock, Mark Duffield, but and, uh, he's not coming in. No, no, he no, does no, do Thursdays. He does do Thursdays. Um, but I will say, I just, I don't know what came over me yesterday. I just think. You, you I just, bored? No, I just I, I, st- I, st- I want to get into I want I can't wait for Big Bash to start. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what the Big Bash can do this year in regards to whackety, whack, whack. the rebuild of the year um, and the, and the sport of Big Bash because I, I think it's got some upside as well. I think it's bottomed out as far as enough. But I was just literally sitting looking at West Coast list, knowing they're going to go to the draft, knowing there's some good WA talent which I hope they get their hands on. Fremantle's picks in the draft are 
they're not going to. They're not going to. That's not going to shape them. It's no, the players not. that are on the park now, Correct. plus Luke Jackson and, and Jay Uramira. So we're talking Jai Amos, Neil Erasmus. Well, that's where the that's Johnson. where that's where the difference has to come. So Luke Jackson, yeah, there's going to be a heap of pressure on Luke Jackson. Massive and, amounts and of pressure. That, that's fine. And he didn't have a great year, mate. He no, did not have a great year. No, and I think. You can see, you can it's ask the question how much the, the move home was on his mind and, yeah, and true, um, true. how much that was affecting him. True. But I think the keys for Fremantle now, and I, Luke Jackson, I'm going to say it again, will, can be a good forward. I think he can be a really good forward, whether he, he might not want to. He wants to be up the ground on the wing type sort of stuff and, and in the ruck. But their massive hopes are in Erasmus, Tracy getting it and having a, the summer of a lifetime. Uh, Amos having a coming through as well. That That's where their improvement and that's where their goals will come from and that's what they need more than anything else. Not so much the ones that they've brought in, but those three I see as the absolute keys. Uh, we're just having a change of batting order. We've just been notified. Oh, um, uh, someone has just texted in, Goss, North Melbourne will win a flag before Fremantle. Oh, that's a bit harsh. No, and I don't, and I don't think that'll happen. Sam Edmund would like... Uh, Sam Edmund is uh, wanting to uh, move an earlier slot, uh, Sammy. He's just done breakfast over there with uh, Simon O'Donnell. Oh, so he wants to go home, basically. Oh, well, I think that's what's happening. Uh, so we're going to take a break, come back with Sam Edmund and talk a bit of footy. Uh, on this day, uh, we'll uh, put that on ice uh, somewhere and find a spot for it, which is uh, the first what time it's ever moved. I know. Hell? I know. I know. I'm not. I'm not happy, but I've just seen it come I'm up on the screen right now. Sam Edmund will want to come up with some good stuff. Yeah. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Sixteen past six. Let's get a break away. This is Scotty Ingalls. Sam Edmund's been doing a great job in the summer breakfast with Simon O'Donnell and he's been kind enough to join us and we've turned the whole rundown upside wow, down and the most popular segment has been unprecedented pushed stuff. aside because Sam's not available any time after uh, 20 past nine in the East. He joins us now. Sammy, appreciate your time, mate. Always good to talk to two of the biggest movers and shakers of the city of Perth. Yeah, listen, mate, we've, we've, we've passed off one of the... Um, the most sought-after segments every morning and, and rusted on listeners after on this day <clears throat> to bring you on because we want to talk to you. Yes. But it sounds like you've got plans this morning or something. Have you got to get home to bed or something? Or? Oh, I've actually got to speak to Mark Milligan, the former Socceroo, who went to four World Cups for Sporting Life this weekend. And uh, yeah. it is the time of the year to talk Socceroos, boys. Can't wait for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah looking forward to that one. Right. And you'll hear it all here on SEN and the network. Uh, just in regards to the Brownlow medal and the umpiring scandal, we see that they've pinpointed a game now, the one involving Brody Majacek and Mason Cox. Of course, um, it was a, a game that many people were a bit surprised about the three yep. Brownlow votes handed out that day. Indeed, and we're talking, this will be one of many. Uh, there, there could be up in the double figures of games that Michael Pell officiated. Of course, we know of one for certain now, and we hypothesise around the rest. There might even be a pair of games, guys, where Michael Pell wasn't actually officiating, but of course he was the emergency umpire, and we know the emergency umpire can and has partaken in conversation around the 3-2-1 at the end of the game. I mean, what a giant mess this is, of course, right to the integrity of the Brownlow that I think a lot of us thought well, largely might have been untouchable when it comes to the integrity thereof. But, uh, you know, we're talking about an event that, uh, that dates back in time and, and one of the most prestigious individual awards there is. But once we start betting, guys, on events that have been run and won like the Brownlow, that is a unique arrangement. There are people who already know the result, of course. Perhaps it was a matter of, you know, when and not if, unfortunately. And uh, to have a field umpire involved in it, though, um, oh. is, is a shocking development, isn't it? It is. Sam, just in, in simple terms, are we talking 
And again, I'm trying to read through the lines here and I can't find a, a positive answer anyway. You might know. Are we talking big money or are we talking $10 pops? No, I think we're talking in the thousands of dollars uh, across all of the games. So perhaps not huge money, but certainly in the thousands and spread across multiple agencies, of course, to perhaps disguise those bets. But but as we know, in today's day and age, um, everyone, all the betting agencies and the AFL or whatever sport that they're tied to are in regular communication. There's protocols and processes with these things. As soon as one agency flags something, um, they communicate with the rest and it doesn't take them long to figure it out. So this investigation has been going on now, obviously, since the Brownlow medal and, and, and came to light spectacularly this week. So we, we wait to see the full detail of the amounts uh, gambled and, and won, but I think uh, widely reported to be in the thousands of dollars. Mm. Admittedly, that is a general term. Staggers me, Sammy, how people think you can get away with that sort of thing uh, these days. But uh, let's talk about Goss's beloved Saints. Uh, they've had a, uh, a little review. What's the update there? Well, it was a big review, actually, in the end. Now, that we were told by St Kilda that the main findings had already been revealed, and that is, of course, uh, the appointment of Ross Lyon and the need to change the senior coach and, and say goodbye to Brett Ratton, also Jeff Walsh's appointment as the head of football. But they also said they had significant issues outside the coaching department, and that is... Let's be more focused on football. Let's let's prioritise the football department, which might sound obvious, but St Kilda have sold home games uh, down the years, of course, repeatedly to, to international venues as well as domestic. Um, they've tied themselves to just about every social cause you can do, and, and that's been admirable too, made them one of the most inclusive sporting clubs in Australia. But the time for that now, it would appear, is done. Let's prioritise football. Any other social game we take on will be with a football layer well and truly placed over the top of it, and we will no longer sell home games interstate or overseas, which I would imagine for St Kilda supporters like Goss would be welcome news. Yeah, who, who is really on the fence at the moment, no, swaying whether, whether he buys the membership or not? No, does, no. does this review sway you anyway? Goss, they're going to, good news, they're no. going to concentrate on football. Yeah, no, no the review's I mean, got nothing to do with it. It's the appointment uh, of the coach that's got me over the other side oh, of the fence. You've dropped off the other side. Yeah, correct. Hey, the Hawks board, they've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of money, the Hawthorne. They've sold a couple of uh, properties, which is very handy. But tell you what, there's a lot of angst between Andrew Gowers and Jeff Kennett and the board and everything else that's going on. They are a club that needs to get back on track. That is an understatement. It is super messy over here with Hawthorne. This is a fully-fledged uh, election campaign at the moment. Jeff Kennett will join us in the studio on summer breakfast tomorrow. But, nice. yeah, the tit-for-tat continues, doesn't it, between he and Andy Gowers and, uh, and, and Peter Nankerville as well. Spoke to a prominent Hawthorne figure yesterday. He's been a player, been administrator. He said, this will be the beginning of the end at Hawthorne. It's become so messy. It's so political. Mm. It's unbecoming. It's not what our club is about. I can see both sides, though, guys. I mean, the appointment of, of Peter Dankerville as president after he was chairing the nominations committee, the selections committee, to find a new president, that certainly upset Hawks for Change, which is a rebel group that has been you know, pushing their buttons behind the scenes as well. It certainly caught the attention of Andy Gowers, who is arguing now heavily about proper process and, and governance having not been followed. You've got Jeff Kennett being the pro- high-profile figure that he is, throwing stones on Twitter after hours and late at night over here also. And, and that speaks to the Dingley development that's been um, delayed. Uh, it's an ongoing mess, obviously, the racial investigation uh, well and truly at the forefront as well. I mean, all things that you don't normally associate with Hawthorne, mm. rumblings at board level now that have become 
so divisive, so political. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a big watch on December 13 when they sit down for their AGM. And a really quick one. We know you're busy, Mark Milligan. Uh, of course, uh, you've got to get to uh, the former Socceroo. Uh, just and one on the text, and I was going to ask you anyway. The fact is that we expect Luke Beveridge to get a contract extension, and that may come this afternoon, they say. Yep, that's right. I think that might be a two-year extension. He's obviously contracted for 2023, the final year of his deal. But Amit Baines, the chief executive, Chris Grant, the head of football, this has been in train for some time. Uh, speaking about polarising figures, though, I tell you what, he's standing in the Western Bulldogs community. <laughs> isn't all beer and Skittles either, Luke Beveridge, which surprises me. I mean, he's a he's a premiership coach. He's taken the club to another grand final, I think. Finals in uh, in you know maybe six of the eight seasons he's had in charge there at the Kennel. So a pretty good strike rate, but... Uh, People like to look for the weeds and things at times, boys, but uh, he's going to get that extension. I'll be interested to see what, what sort of term we're talking. Summer breakfast with Sammy Edmund and Simon O'Donnell are doing a great job, mate. Yep. We listen on the way in and uh, we pinch a lot of your stuff, uh, which people haven't been listening to. <laughs> Keep it up, mate. Keep, Keep it up. up Thanks, Sammy. Good on you, Sammy. Thanks, sir. Thanks for your patience and having me, guys. My, it's my pleasure. Thank you for taking our call, Sammy Edmund from the Summer Breakfast. So a lot to digest there. The Brownlow Medal, I, I'm a believer. You've got to keep with the tradition and you'll continue to have the umpires. And, and it is one one man's one man's error is not a system error. That's just no, a that's one a good man point. error. What about if you had the emergency umpire? The emergency umpire yep. doesn't give votes. Yep. But he's the one that actually sees more of everything yeah. than the umpires. Yeah. If you have to keep no, it with the umpires, which I really don't but think But you're in you an emergency should. for a reason, mate. <laughs> He's just not quite good enough. <laughs> yeah, well, you're an umpire for a reason. Well, you're filling you in. Yeah. No, that's yeah. no, don't be that harsh. Don't be harsh. Don't be harsh. I'm just saying, it needs a change. Hey, a lot of, uh, I don't know whether this is love or belief that I might be on the money here, but so earlier today I did say, after asking you about what the tenure would be for Adam Simpson, you think yep. it's a, a breakout year, just received a text from a very learned man who says he's got basically one year to make a, an impact if it's a horrible year. Yeah. A horrible year, then you know they'll be looking. That, at it. That's my point. Yeah, if but I don't think that's if the losses are bad losses. No, and I don't mean margin. I mean how they lose. Yep. Then then he'd be under pressure. But I still think Simo's absolutely the man for the job. Mike from Palmyra, who's a rusted on purple uh, supporter, he says uh, Frio won't win a premiership until they get a proven forward like Logan McDonald. Well, he's just re-signed with Sydney. Yeah, but they've got a couple coming through. I know they're not proven, but they have to start somewhere. Come on, Goss. True story is why do you think Logue went across to the Ruse? Paul from Margaret River. <laughs> Ruse man, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep that belief, Paul. Uh, so if you believe or disbelieve, do you think I'm, I'm and it's, this is not a bold prediction, this is just looking at the future I firmly believe West Coast will win a flag before Fremantle win there first. Mm. Could be 10 years' time. Yeah, Could be yeah. 10 years' time. Well, that's the thing. I, 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 I want to be wrong because I think Fremantle are, are deserving of a flag, but I am concerned about what they pushed up this year and where they're going in the next two mm. or three. I, I have question marks, again, over why people want out, but I think their list is really strong and it's uh, all dependent on a couple of young guys finding their way in and, and taking the game by the scruff. Though. Yeah, there's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas right yeah, in that absolutely. conversation right there. Yeah, 13, 12, 55, Toolkit Depot, open line or temper, 0487 736 736 if you agree or disagree. Riley Morgan's going to come up with a winner, the life of Riley for Saturday Racing Railway Stakes. Mike Hussey will join us, of course, Australia and England in action today. And just quickly, the Queensland PGA is underway up there in, uh, in uh, I think, Nudgee Golf Club. I think they're playing up there. And Jake McLeod's the early leader. He's two under through six. And our man, Braden Becker, is, is one under through six. Hole, so a good Boy. solid start by our man. Well, right he said he's going to ring in next week after the W. And Hayden Barrett Boy. is one over, and we also chatted with Hayden as well.
Uh, on this day, he's going to join us after 6.30, the news. <laughs> and it's going to go for 15 or 20 <laughs> minutes because, you know what? I can. It's my show. Uh, news is next. On the King. Welcome back to uh, Scotty and Goss. Don't forget to try your best ever McCafe blend, roasted in Melbourne Smooth Rich McCafe Coffee Fit for an Aussie. Just uh, taking my eye off the screen at the moment, the temper text line. Goss fanboying the Eagles, what a surprise. Fanboying the Eagles. You are um, absolutely perceived as an Eagles spokesperson, aren't you? I would be Fremantle if they won something. Now, oh. now, just wanted to say this. Well, text in, let him know. Well, what I you don't think. care. It's, it's, but it's always Frio fans who, who stand up as though they're holier than now that they're some great achiever. They've done nothing, and I want them to win something. And when they win something, I'll back off and go, "Wow, they've been around long enough. They're not a little boy, and they're not a, no, no. Not, not in short pants anymore." Absolutely underachieved as a sporting club. Simon no Miller, doubt about it. Simon Miller has gone, "Wow, we stop it. Free, I've got so much upside." He said, "You're out of control." I just want to share this with Simon Miller. I'm about to text this message to him. This is, you know what? This this, this has got their potential yep. to bite you right on your backside and cost you some money. I've just said. Okay, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's, well, it's interesting you say it like oh, that. So he's, given it, so he's given it a tone there. So in a text, you just get, okay, mate. Okay, mate yeah. yeah, but he's gone, okay, mate. The yep. benefits of being on radio <laughs> while reading a text. This yeah. is how this will work. I will buy 10% of... 10 any- Ten percent of any horse he purchases oh. at the next sales oh. after either the Eagles or Fremantle win. If I was the if, flag, if I was Esmiller, I would buy the biggest donkey at the sales there was. Yeah, that's fine. I'll pay ten percent. But if West Coast win a flag and pay overs before Fremantle, he buys my ten percent of the best horse that he buys at the sales. End of story. If he, if he think I'm wrong, he think I'm wrong. Take me on for 10%, Miller. Don't be just a long-standing bet, this one. Don't Correct. Mm. I may actually be six foot under, but my estate will own the 10%. <laughs> Let's do sport update one more time, please. I'm not going to challenge Sick of people just taking cheap shots from over the top who just think, oh, yeah, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Go he, and win he something. A cheap yeah, shot. he was. He was having a go, and I've just had just about enough of it. <laughs> Come on, Miller. Right, what do you got for oh, me? Mate, this place, this is going to go anywhere today. I'm telling you, he's, yeah, right, right, he's you right on the cut. Yeah, one hour 25, I won't see I won't see the next 25 minutes out. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Let's take a look at some cricket that happened yesterday. WA, they, well, they came close to not getting over the top of South Australia, Ooh. but they did it. They did they it. They did yeah, it. They all collapsed, didn't they? they did they? Uh, they lost five for thirty-four. So Josh Inglis made eighty-five man of the match. He was uh, he was great. And the Joel Paris and AJ Ty they saw the game out with their experience, which was good to see. With uh, nine balls to spare and a couple of wickets in hand, uh, elsewhere in cricket, of course, we'll have a chat to Mike Hussey a little bit later on. But Australia take on England today at the Adelaide Oval from eleven twenty a.m. That is Perth time. Listen in on this network. Basketball tonight, the Wildcats take on the South East Melbourne Phoenix, of course. You can also hear that here on SEN with the great man, yeah. Timmy Gossage. Well, he, and he will be up and about. I'll tell you what, if the Wildcats don't go well, he will not pull a punch. And at the ATP yeah. World yes, Tour Finals, <laughs> the Nasi Kokonakis yeah, and Nick Kyrgios, they were in action in the doubles. It was a really, really interesting match. They what went down it? 6-3 in the first Men's set. Men's tennis they doubles. Yeah, the Kokonakis Kyrgios show, you know that's a really a belter. interesting match. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what of, how many of our listeners are interested. I'll tell you <laughs> why. 
I'm with you on that. Mate, they were down 5-1 in the deciding first to 10 yeah. points match tie break. Who were they playing? And they won Who were they 10-6. couple of guys wow. whose names I can't pronounce. But exactly. they were they were losing. They were almost there. What Nick Kyrgios did is he started right on the crowd yeah, up. He? He's throwing the rackets. Good He's yelling him. at fans. Yeah, good on you. Doing the full Kyrgios performance. Yeah. Quality he did say after it, I had to take it away from tennis because we were getting outplayed. And then the energy of the crowd just got us over the line. The crowd were amazing. So... He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Freely admitted there. No response from Simon Miller. Uh, there you go. That's it. Thank you very much. That's the end of the sports update right here. Man, this is 13, 12, temporary bedshed. Agree, Goss. Frio are peaking during a period where the top 10 teams are separated by the smallest of margins. Cats, Ds, Swans, Lions, Pies, of course, mm-hmm. with the Blues, the Dogs, the Port and Tigers looking to bounce back. Exactly right. It is harder now to win a flag. Sure. And I think by the time Frio can win one, West Coast list will be have would be regenerated and rejuvenated. Will Frio win one with this list? They're going to have to make some subtle changes, subtle, subtle changes. But I'm still not sold that Luke Jackson's going to solve all their problems. And if Freo fans think that Luke Jackson's going to walk in and go be the the great saviour, I feel sorry for the boy because he's going to be absolutely – he's going to be the next Jesse Hogan, if we're not careful, where people not, – not for anything else but expectation on the field. Mm. Expectation. And I hope I'm wrong because I think he can play. But is he going to be the difference? I'm not so sure. Still no up, mention yeah. from Simon Miller. You are standing up. Yeah, you, know, standing you never up. stand. Yeah, you, you're throwing up. your hands around yeah. like, like nobody's business. I'm starting to believe and what I actually said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to convince myself uh, I'm actually going to be right. It took 40 years. All right. 40 years in the media. Let's get a breakaway on this day and Riley Morgan, he's oh, coming yeah. in with his form day. guide under his arm because yeah. it is a big day, Pinnacles Day yeah, 2. Mate. No, no, I'm standing up now. I've done yeah. a hammy. I've done a hammy. <laughs> it's 21 away from 7. Let's get a breakaway and come back with On This Day. It is November 17. Okay. It is better than November Whatever 16. Whatever you want. On this day, I see Birthdays, events and some of the great moments in history. It's On This Day. Yes. Now, if you just woke it up and you're a, sort of like a 6.45 wake-upper and you don't normally know what this segment is, this is called On This Day. This is the most talked oh. about segment on the show. You are in for a treat. November 17. So if it's your birthday, happy birthday. It rings a bell, November 17. November 17. Oh, and I've got a wingman with me too who can sit through it with me. Riley Morgan is in the house. Really interested in watching his facial expressions when you say some of these names. Okay. Your dad will, your dad and mum will appreciate this type of segment. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is my personal favourite well, I mean, segment it, as well. Really? Yeah. I mean, most people that you don't know have done something, but now they're dead. Correct. Not all of them are dead, mate. No. Let's start off with Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's a shame Again, it's just it's just artists that me and Scotty have no idea who they are and yeah. only you ever know. Because he's got their record at home. Exactly. You've got it. You got Lottie's record. Yeah. Gordon. He's eighty four today. But that wasn't that was sundown. Uh, he, he's more than a one hit wonder. If you could read my mind, love, oh. what a tale my thoughts could this is the original. This? this is the original. Do you recognise this? Yeah, but when it was sung by another band forty years later. From a wishing well in a castle dark. Beautiful voice. Lovely. Or a fortress strong. Playing with the volume. <laughs> Sorry. These guys that's are wanting it. That's yeah. balls trying to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> Make it stop. And I will never be safe. I reckon we're given Gordon Lightfoot enough time. Martin Scorsese is okay. 80 today. Yeah, this is his best work. Yeah. You talking to me? You talking to me? 
What a superstar Martin Scorsese. He's 80 today. Taxi driver, raging bull, the king of comedy, the colour of money, the good fellas, the age of innocence. Oh, no, he did it all. No doubt about that. Hey, Bob Gaudio is 80. Now, he's a vocalist with my favourite band. Now, this song you're about to hear. Turn your mics off. Turn your mic off. Nah. Riley, turn your mic off, Scott. No. This is officially my favourite song. He was a part of the band Four Seasons. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, December 63. Absolute classic. Bob Gaudio, 80 today. He's recovered. Yeah, no, this I went and saw Jersey Boys through the show and really enjoyed it. I think yeah. this is for people my era, and this is sort of bringing me back to Arcadia in Northbridge. What a classic song. Oh, what a night, December 63, written by Gaudio, along with his wife, Judy Parker. Hey, Danny DeVito, he's 78 today, the little oh, fella. Oh. Daddy, that's cheating. Of course it's cheating. Nobody ever got rich being honest. Daddy, you're a crook. This is illegal. Do you make money? Do you have a job? No, but don't people need good cars? Can't you sell good cars, Dad? Listen, you little wiseacre. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. I'm the king. There it is there, Danny DeVito. <laughs> he's a beauty. Matilda. Absolutely. I think he's got a couple of rides out at Ascot on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, he's not a... Oh, little man jokes, right? Yeah, fair enough, though. He's a tiny little man. Mike Wendon is 73, Aussie swimmer. He was known as the swimming machine. Michael Wendon, swimming magnificently, is about a half yard in front of Don Jolanda of the United States. And I don't think he can catch Wendon. 25 metres to go. Wendon is swimming strongly. <laughs> the land is coming home with a great burst. But it's Michael Wendon of Australia in lane four. In goes Michael Wendon to win the 200. Don Jolanda. Uh, that was in Mexico in 1968. And you know you're going back into the archives when the commentator says yards. Yeah. He's in front by half a yard. They throw around the nickname machine a lot in swimming. Don't they? <laughs> There's always a machine somewhere in swimming. Mark Williams is 69. Because he's a single hit. He was also the lead vocalist with Dragon for a long time. And I reckon he was the backup singer to John Farnham for a long, long time. Really? Yep, on all his tours. Captain Collingwood. Yeah. <laughs> you and Mark Williams. Pete Cox is 67. Soundtrack from Pretty Woman. Go West. Yeah. Pete Cox, 67. Yeah, okay. There's some upbeat tunes today. Okay. Now I've got your attention. Darren Beedman's 57 today. Kingston World is at the front. Here's Nabotto and Mr. Brooker. Kingston World in front from the Phantom, diving up on the inside. Kingston World and the Phantom from Nabotto. It's Kingston World. You give Barty's eight. Kingston World from the Phantom. Yeah, 1980. Darren Beedman. Yeah, he, he was a superstar, absolute bone fighting star. He doesn't end up fan very often. I think, he's, I think he's doing better for himself at the moment with Godolphin. Mm. Yes, very well. they're in town. We caught up with uh, the Godolphin team. Nassim, yep. Kate Sobrano, uh, 56 today. Big Kate, love this song. Isaac Hansen is 42 today, and you're going, who's Isaac Hansen? Yeah, like most of these people. Yeah. Oh. 
They were big. Massive. They were big. The four boys. Does it ruin the segment for you when you have to watch him dance, Boggs? Uh, His arms start flailing around like... He's, he recovered and then now yeah. he's lost me. <laughs> he lost it with the song. Hey, Jody Henry's 39 today. Australian swimmer, three gold medals uh, in all record time at the 2004 Athens Olympics. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be... That was a relay, 4x100 relay team. Uh, I'm going to question without notice for both of you, Riley Morgan and Scott Cummings. Jody Henry is married to which Brisbane Lions premiership footballer and got three kids? Um, it's, an, it, it's not one of the big names. No, it? no it's no, not. I, it's on the tip of my tongue. No, 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 no it's, it's Number eight. No, it's not there. Pardon? No, I don't know. You're very close by saying that answer. It's not there. Well, nah, nah, it wasn't number eight. Luke Power was number six, wasn't he? Yeah, Tim Notting. There you go. Married Tim Notting. Got three kids. That's with Tim right. Notting. Correct. Carmichael Hunt did lots of things. He did this. Ten seconds to go. Matera. Matera hooks it back. Carmichael. It comes to Carmichael Hunt. Oh, no. Ten seconds to go in the game. The man everybody talked about when he came across from the NRL. Siren gone to win the game. Commentator's nightmare. <laughs> Old Harmichael. <laughs> yeah, well done to Carmichael. Honey, it's birthday today. And yesterday we mentioned that on this day, Dennis Lilly and Javed me and Dad, one got, he raised the bat at yeah. him and Lilly kicked him in the backside. Yeah, fair well, enough. To... This is what happened. Hello, hello. Hello. My goodness. Lilly really did ask for that, and that's really very silly. Javed me and Dad. Hello. My goodness. Well, this is absolutely disgraceful. It really is absolutely stupid. I cannot understand. Lilly actually asked for that. He encroached upon Javed Meandad's line, and we very nearly had ourselves a fight on the ground. When did the segment change to on this day yesterday? Yeah, well, it's a fair point. So. You're missing the point. <laughs> no, on this, well, day, on this day, he yeah. got fined $200 for ah, doing that. Probably should have led with that. There you go. I was confused. And last one for you. You'll go to the water cooler today, you blokes. On this day yesterday. <laughs> Douglas Inglebart oh. got the received the patent for the computer mouse on this day in 1970. So when you pick up a little computer mouse today, you think Douglas Engelbart, and it happened on this day. Time to do this. Riley Morgan's in the house, and I was—I uh, just want to get to a couple of texts before we get Riley, because Riley's, uh, well, he's pouring through the form for Saturday and Railway Stakes Day. First of all, officially welcome, and we warmed you up with the On This Day. You like that? <laughs> yeah, nice and warm now. Yeah, ready to go. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lisa from Ellenbrook's given us a call. She wants to talk about Luke Jackson, Scotty. Good morning, Lise. Morning, Goss. Morning, Scotty. Um, I don't like being a bit um, angry this hour of the morning. Um, Goss, I totally agree with you about Luke Jackson's ordinary year. And, Scotty, enough of the excuses for these players. Which ones, His mind, I don't care whether, he's, whether, whether his mind was on, you know, going home or whatever, he's out there to play football. They get play, paid squillions of dollars to be out there playing. And his mind should not be anywhere but on that field, giving Melbourne everything that he's got. 
That's fair. I appreciate that. No worries at all. Good on you, Lise. Nice work. So there's Lise having a, a 50 cents each way. She agreed with me and disagreed Sorry with me. Sorry that we've made you, I've made you angry this time of morning, Lise. I hope the day gets better. Yeah, all right. Um, Goss, you are on drugs, says Frank. <laughs> That's a tick. I, <laughs> I am Frank from the Angie Bub. Nice to hear from you too, Frankie. Uh, Freo built a nice list and are one or two players away from a flag. Eagles will improve next year with a fit list. Long way to go, Eagles member, by the way, but strongly disagree. I know who you are, Frank, and that's okay, mate. Goss, you've never liked Fremantle. Explain what you mean, why you, um, what they didn't put on paper. Well, uh, that's a very sick part. We've already read that one out. Um, Ross, I'm looking forward to Saturday. I am so looking forward to Saturday. But my mail is that maybe up there at the Avon yesterday, up at the Avon North Northern, that one R. Morgan might have just cashed up. I'm hoping we haven't used them up for the week as a result of yesterday, Goss. So hopefully there's still a few left, uh, a few winners left in the kitty. But no, it was a good day out in the Avon Valley yesterday. Uh, I was not across this. I was not across this. I backed backed two. Um, One stayed in the barrier. Yeah, money back. The money back for that. And then the other was the other was Miller's that didn't win. No, no, uh, no. I back two of uh, Danny Morton's. Oh, there you go. He told he told us on Tuesday that uh, I've got two runners, one of them, and uh, one of them will win. And then didn't tell us which one, so I had to back well, him up. I think he had a brain fart. I uh, couldn't remember the name. It was of the pretty hard for a, pretty hard for a horse to win when the the starter presses a button and the jockey of one of them still sitting on the barrier. <laughs> yeah. so. And you talk about market strike, which was Simon Miller's. It was an actual fair effort. Yeah, it was a good. That was almost his best run. It was a good effort. It was a good effort. Okay, what have we got for for the, the, we're so excited about the pinning because this is day yeah, two. Yeah, it's a ripper. It's, it's a, a ripping ripper. day and. Yep. Dissecting the form, it's actually um, it's, it's, ready. it's a it's a really competitive day as well. There's a lot of races where it's it's a they're dif- it's a difficult meeting all in all. Actually, there's lots of open races where there's you could make cases for four or five chances throughout the day. And I actually really struggled to land on best for the for the day on day two of the Pinnacles on Saturday. And I'm going to be a little bit boring. I think Simperucci looks hard to beat, but a little under the odds at two twenty there in the in the Jungle Miss. So got up we'll last go to race two. Yeah. yeah, it was a really nice win too. Yeah, it She's come back very well, but we'll go to race two. Uh, race two, number nine, truly inspired, is the name of the horse for the Cerise and White. And I just think it's a it's a bit of a theme of the day on Saturday. There looks to be a lot of races with really good tempo on paper, and I think now if William Pike can keep truly inspired out of trouble and into in clear galloping room on the weekend, that he's going to be terribly hard to beat. It was only a, a class one win last start, but it was the the figure he posted in doing so and the manner in which he was able to do that, which which really caught me. And the fact that I love the way he finished off there. He was soft on the line. And that platform that Bob's given him now, he's had a run at the mile fresh and was really good. Now he's had the two runs at the 1,800 metres. He'll be rock hard fit first go at the staying trip over the 2,200 metres. And just think that Pike from barrier three has to keep him off the fence midfield in a race that obviously I've touched on looks to have good speed and he can be finishing over the top of them with a few of these on speeders. I expect to be paddling late. Race two, number nine, truly inspired W Pike for Adam Durant. The best bet for our man, Riley Dot Morgan. You can follow him on socials, of course. What else? What else? Each way, mate. Best each way, Best each way. We actually go right down the page to, to the last event on the card, to the, the mayor of Subiaco. He's got one in, I like, in the last on the weekend, above the peg for Simon Miller. And um, this horse was, was unsuited last start by not only the track bias on the day, but also just got a long way back in a race where they let Big Screen get away with murder up front. They, they weren't going along at any real genuine fractions there, and Big Screen was able to just get away with it and pinch a break and, and kick away. And he was on the back of the wrong horse in the run. He was still sort of searching for runs on straightening, but I, I love the way he got through the line over the
over the last sort of 100 metres there. And he steps up to the mile. He, he's drawn a gate here, Barry Five, to hold a spot in a race that looks to have some really good tempo and gauge as well. I marked him favourite in the race, and you're seeing each way, so th- so that'll get me. Our boy Paddy Carberry on that one, Goss. I reckon I backed it last start. I wasn't I happy. It was a fair chance mm. you did too. Yeah. Had no luck last. If you told me yeah. to, Morgs, I did. I uh, just unsuited last start, and on the day you couldn't make any ground. It was it was uh, especially late that afternoon. You were, had to be in the first couple to be winning the race. So I just hope Simon's not distracted and out looking for the worst horse he can buy for Goss. But it Goss. could happen. It might not happen for the next twenty years. Yeah, it might not. No, will ten percent, and he's given the thumbs up. He just texted in. Ruffy, let's get a Ruffy for the weekend. We go to now. There was a couple. I settled on this horse in the WA Guineas because, and although the, of the barrier draw, and I do think Amelia's jewel looks very hard to beat, and I am in her corner on the weekend. But the barrier draw has really cost this horse, I think. But oh, Santorio is just a criminally underrated horse, and he would be a live chance in this race, I think. If Are he you on the take from the Stephen Miller camp? You yeah. tip a lot of Stephen Miller horses. The, th- the last time I came in here and tipped both his horses, they both won, so we may as well stick okay, with mate, it. All right. Proven okay, formula. Oh, okay, yeah. Proven formula. Well, at least I told you so. Yeah. But no, he's what Santorio brings to the table here is he's he's not only proven at the mile already, he's actually proven at the mile and run a really good figure in doing so. That was a huge win last start when he was able to sit on, sit on speed, absorb that tempo and still kick away and, and run the quick, the second quickest last 200 metres of the race there. And I just think from the barrier, it's going. he's going to need a 12 out of 10 from Brad Parnham. But if he can follow Man Crush across and, and find a spot close to the speed with a little bit of cover, maybe three deep with cover, if one of these other roughies that are drawn maybe a bit out wide, chance their arm and, and try and find a spot rolling forward... I think he will be very competitive on the weekend, and he's a he's an underrated horse. And Stephen Miller came out and said he just thinks he's a he's a battler. He just gets the job done day in day out, and I think he's a little bit better than a battler, uh, Steve. So I think he can go really well on the weekend. I tell you what, if it beats bucks. Amelia's jewel, I'll buy ten percent of Goss. There you go. I'm going to back you. <laughs> okay, let's go through those tips. Well done, again. Mate. Let's go through the tips again. Uh, best bet race two, number nine, truly inspired for Willie Pike and the Cerise and White. Best value race nine, number nine, above the peg in the last on the weekend. And best long shot race seven, number two, Santorio. Anything proven at York at the today? Mile. Anything at York today? Nah, nothing at York. Nothing we've been yet? we've been uh, zeroing in over the last couple of days on on Saturday. So okay. that's the uh, that's uh, we'll give York a miss today, and okay. we'll just wait for Gostradamus tips later on this afternoon. No, no, I'll ban York too. Riley Dot Morgan is <laughs> joining us. Riley is joining Gareth Hall for the railway coverage on SEN on Saturday. Good luck oh, out there. Don't let us down because, ah. uh, you know, you're, you're representing us, the breakfast team. Yep. That's the only reason you got the gig. That's it. Yeah, we pushed hard. They wanted six other people. <laughs> but we got you, mate. They, they all said no. They're all at the track. They'll be beers on the weekend. Yeah. They said, they, they said they'd no, you'll be great, mate. It'll be great listening. Good on you, mate. Uh, Riley Morgan joining Gareth Hall Railway coverage here on SEN on Saturday. So there it is, and you can get his tips. Riley.Morgan, that D-O-T, the letters for Ascot. Best bet, race two, number nine. Race nine, number nine, each way. And race seven, number two is the best, Ruffy. Let's get uh, a break, then some news. And Mike Hussey's going to join us from Adelaide. On SEN, of course, around the network because tonight in Adelaide, in fact, uh, in Adelaide today, 
our time. It is a one-day clash between Australia and England, a part of the series. It's on. Uh, 50 overs and one man who was involved, of course, in it with England in their triumphant win in the World Cup, uh, T20 World Cup, is Mike Hussey. And he stepped away now. He's, yeah, he wouldn't uh, be involved now, would well, he? I'm surely he might have, just might add a little bit of a warm-up with him, but he's certainly into his role as a Fox cricket commentator and he's been kind enough to join us on breakfast this morning. Huss, um, how were the celebrations, can we ask? Uh, yeah, good morning, Scotty. Good morning, uh, Goss. Um, yeah, I, I would say they're probably appropriate. Um, <laughs> they, they certainly, these English, they know how to uh, how to celebrate. But I was just impressed with the the amount of uh, singing and dancing. Uh, consistency and endurance was unbelievable. So, uh, you know, you know, and, and rightly so. You know, it's, it's, it's not every day that um, you, you win a World Cup, and they put so much time, effort into it. And um, and and yeah, so certainly. For a couple of days there, let their hair down, but um, hopefully, hopefully they'll be in decent nick for today. Don't want to harp too much uh, more on, on that, but just in regards to your role and that of Matthew Mott and the like, just um, did you feel a part of the success, or did you feel like you're still, albeit you know he's the full time coach and you've come in as, as an assistant batting coach and the like? What role did you feel like you you made a difference and 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 you were very much a part of their success? Oh, no, the way, I think the way that's been set up is that um, they've embraced everyone that's part of this setup. Whether whether you're the the baggage handler through to the head coach through to you know Josh Butler as the captain, um, we, we all felt a part of it. We all felt we did our, our role. But it, yeah, obviously most of the credit goes to the players, but um, everyone else behind the scenes has worked extremely hard as well and been and been completely invested in it. And um, I think I think we were all made to feel part of it. There's a lot of the families with the uh, with the team as well, and 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 I think the role that they play needs to be acknowledged as well. The support they give the players, um, uh, um, you know, uh, not just in this tournament, but but throughout the whole um, year, um, can't be underestimated either. I still found it weird, Huss, and it was hard to watch you sitting there with them, but we're going to move on. Hey, Ben Stokes, he, he just finds himself in the most incredible situations all the time, doesn't he? When, it, when a big moment comes, he's, he's the man. Yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? Like he's been involved in in so many amazing, um, I guess, situations in in cricket, and, and he he generally comes out on top. He, he almost like craves the the pressure situation. Um, it, it certainly wasn't easy for him out there. You know, the, uh, Pakistan were bowling extremely well, and there was, there was a bit of movement in that pitch, and and he looked frustrated at various stages. But I, I think we all thought while he's there. Um, we were confident that we could get over the line, and um, yeah, he, he did it again. Um, uh, we, we were getting a little bit frustrated with that, with how it was going. He, he struggled to get bat on ball there for a little while, but um, but yeah, no, he finished it off in style, and um, pr- probably the wicket of uh, sorry, the injury to Shaheen Afridi. Yeah. Uh, was a bit of a big turning point in the game. You know, he couldn't finish off his last two overs, and and there was a, a part-time off spinner came on. But they they sort of seized that moment and um and sort of took advantage there. Can you confirm uh, just to make it even more uncomfortable for us that Ben Stokes, we had JL on earlier on uh, in the week, uh, who who suggested that he's apparently one of the all-time good blokes. Now we don't want to hear that, but is that true? <laughs> Well, yeah, he, he's, he is a very good fellow and, and, and much loved in this team. Um, he, he's one of those heart and soul sort of guys, you know, like that, that I guess when he's in the team, he's around the players, everyone else seems to walk just a, a little bit taller. Um, he gets around and, you know, has 
Well, mate, it seems like he's got a great relationship with everyone in in the squad. Like he he spends time individually with with just about everyone going around. And um, for, for me, it, it took me a little bit longer to sort of get to know him and, and build that sort of relationship. But I felt like it was just getting stronger and stronger every day. So um, yeah, I enjoy his company. I enjoy the way he goes about his cricket. He's he's a hundred percent man every day, um, and, and is very passionate about the game. Mike Hussey with Fox Cricket, of course, and it is today, 11.20 in Adelaide, game one of the ODI series, Australia and England, and Pat Cummins will step out as the ODI captain, taking over from Aaron Finch. While in that role and focused on England and your job there, you're still an Australian legend. You still are a critic of the game through your role with Fox. Um, You're still mates with, you know, that sort of core group of Gilly and Punter and Flem and all those Australian blokes who came through. Did you keep an eye on the Australian... Australian stroke fallout and departure of Aaron Finch and Andrew McDonald being under the pump and the news that Glenn Maxwell broke his leg at a 50th birthday party. I mean, how much of that did you take in and how much of that was just from afar looking at it? Uh, it's, it's a good question. I, I'm not been that close to it all. Um, I, I, you know, it, it, I think... I know, I know it's disappointing that the Aussies didn't get through to the semi-finals, and, and I know... Um, you know, that the fans want, want more and they want the team performing at, at their best. But you, you've got to understand for this T20 format, it, it's such a fine line. It, it honestly is. And, um, you know, it's just a little a little thing going for you, a little thing going against you, and that can be the difference. Um, you know, obviously, the, 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 the game for Australia, which, which probably turned out to be the, the costly one, was the first one against New Zealand, um, you know, with the net run rate being so bad. But, you know, and they, 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 they tried to claw their way back, but it's you know, and and I'm sure these guys were, were giving their you know their 100% best efforts, um, but but sometimes it just doesn't quite work out. Like it so could have easily have been England that that didn't get through. Um, and and look, you know, the, the, you think about the England Australia game, which was washed out. That that was going to be the defining game. Australia wins that game, um, you know, and and um, they go through. England miss out. It, it's as simple as that. So. I know, I know there's been some harsh critics out there and, and they've been sort of forensically looking through the Aussie team. But, but honestly, from a, being part of the English camp, um, we, we were very relieved that Australia didn't get through because we realised how strong that Australian team is and, and we realised how fickle T20 can be. And, and if Australia scraped through to the semis, you know, they would have been extremely dangerous. So... I, I feel as though the Aussie team and the Aussie setup don't, don't need to panic. Um, yep, I'm sure they'll look at things closely and, and, and maybe some mistakes were made along the way. Look, we made mistakes along the way as well, but we, we scraped through and go on to win the final mm-hmm. and, and no one seems to care, but Australia just miss out and everyone wants to sort of jump in on them. So I, I just feel like sometimes the, criti- the criticism's a little bit harsh, particularly when you're not in that inner sanctum and, and know what's going on. Uh, for the... 50 over game. Huss, how many? How much tactics change? I mean, a lot of novice watchers of, of cricket would say, well, it's just more overs. But tactically, does much change between T20 and uh, ODI? It's actually a really good question. And I was actually having a, a chat to some of the Poms, um, particularly the batters yesterday, about that, about what adjustments they need to make um, from going from T20 mode into 50 over mode. And to be honest, they don't like to change too much in the modern day game. Obviously, they've got more time, um, but there's that fine balance that they don't want to get into the, uh, the the mode of being more conservative or more tentative or thinking that, you know, wanting to take too much more time. They still want to be positive and, and aggressive. Obviously, 
you know, they won't be as uh, reckless at various stages, which you have to be in, in T20 cricket. But, but yeah, funny enough, that they, they, they don't want to change their approach too much. This, this England team in particular... That they've been extremely aggressive with the way they've been playing their white ball cricket and, um, you know, it, it's got them to, to number one in the world. Starts at 11.20 today in Adelaide. Mike Hussey, part of the Fox Cricket coverage. He's also a KFC BBL Supercoach ambassador as yeah. well. Look out, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, Hussey. Uh, but I will, I've got two, question, two questions uh, and one's a, 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 more like a quiz question. First question is, Cam Green looks like he's going to go into the IPL draft and some say that minimum one and a half mil. Forget about the Money. Do you think it's good for his development to go to the IPL? You're a man that has very much a hands-on role inside the IPL. You've played in it. You've coached in it. Do you think it would be good for him? I, I do. I do, actually. Um, and the reason why I think it would be good for him is, you know, um, take, take the financial side, uh, uh, put that aside. Um, he, he's going to be sharing a dressing room with some of the best players from around the world. He's going to get experience about playing cricket in India. He's going to be able to rub shoulders with guys from the West Indies, you know, uh, 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 Sri, uh, Sri Lanka, South Africa, you know, um, New Zealand, and, and he'll be able to sort of talk about the game and learn, what, watch those guys, how they go about their T20 cricket, how... Be able, he'll be able to talk about playing in India. So the, the experience he will gain will be invaluable. Um, but I guess it's, it's up to him what, what his priorities are. You know, if, if he wants to be a, a three-format player, then, then I think it would be a great experience for him. If he just wanted to focus on test cricket, then, you know, m- maybe having a break and, and, uh, or playing some county cricket would be, would be better for him. But it, it seems as though Australia are pretty keen to have him involved in all three formats of the game. So... I would say, you know, go for it. It'd be a great experience for him. Now, this is not to make you look stupid because you are Mr. Cricket and I reckon you might even know the answer. But yesterday, AJ Ty, Andrew Ty, became the number one 50 over, limited over, wicket taker for WA in history. Took a couple of wickets against South Australia, against the Redbacks. WA unbeaten five from five. Who did he pass to achieve that record? Who was the previous... White ball, ODI, WA, most wickets taker before AJ Ty. Okay, it's, it's a good question. I'm, I am guessing, um, uh, but I'm going to go with Kate Harvey. Hey! Um, <laughs> you are the best. You are the best. Banger! Well done, Hussman. Uh, that's a great achievement for AJ Tyler. I, I didn't actually know that stat. I did see the result yesterday. I didn't didn't get to watch any of the game, but um, yeah, that, that's a fantastic achievement because um, yeah, in highest wicket taker in WA history yep. is um, yeah yeah that, that that's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant stuff. And uh, and just quickly as a footnote on that, Henry Hunt, who played in the losing team, of course, made a hundred. Have you seen enough of him to suggest that he's got a bright future at a different level for Australia, possibly? Yeah, I really like him. I love the way he goes about it. He's a tough, tough little kid. Um, from all reports, works his backside off. And um, he, he, uh, with a lot of these young guys that have got a bit of ability, you, you want them just to dominate the level below for, for a period of time. And he's starting to do that now on a consistent basis. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know he's been identified in, in Australia A games along the way um, already. Um, but but I, I just love that he's consistently performing for South Australia. And, and um, so, so when he gets picked, hopefully he's, um, he's, he's 100% ready to go. Right, guys, this will see where he's at. Oh, I'm this not confident see, about his answer. This will see where he's at. I know at. what you're going to ask. question, is it? No, <laughs> no, no, no. This is you pulling out the crystal ball, Huss. There we go. Who wins this uh, ODI series between Australia and England? 
it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, all, all, all I'll say, all I'll say is um, a few of the English players might be just below their best for at least the first game. Um, <laughs> Get on us today. Can, can, can considering, you know, uh, observing them over the last couple of days um, with their celebrations of the World Cup, but, um, <laughs> look, they'll, they'll still be pretty determined to, to do well. But um, if they're, they're not quite at their best, then maybe maybe cut them some slack for the first one. Ball, ball will be coming at them like a tic tac. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And there'll be pl- twelfth man will be getting a run. Don't worry, be coming out with the uh, with some the substitute fielders. <laughs> really, just quick, is David Milan playing? He, I mean, he was uh, dogged by injury during the the, the World Cup. Is he going to be playing in this series? Oh, uh, yeah, he's definitely with the uh, with the squad, and uh, he trained last night. Okay. Um, so it looks like he's recovered from that um, groin injury. I haven't seen what the final team's going to be, sure. but I, I, th- I think he's passed all his fitness tests. So as long as he pulls up well tomorrow, uh, sorry, this morning, yep. then I, I think he'll be in the mix, definitely. Good on you. Hey, mate, appreciate your chat. We covered off a lot of ground there. Uh, Fox Cricket, uh, KFC, BBL, Supercoach Ambassador, England batting coach in the short form of the game. Whatever role it is, mate, you are Mr. Cricket. And one just ripping fella, of course. Appreciate your time. Have a good day. And the the coverage starts on Fox today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, have a great day. Mike Hussey joining us. And it is game one of the ODI Series Australia under Pat Cummins and taking on England, who, of course, as Mike Hussey said, probably was a lengthy celebration of. And so it should be after a World Cup. I have no problem with it. (laughs) You'd be having the celebration during (laughs) the series. (laughs) This is Scotty and Goss. Good morning. Seven. Thanks for your company on this Thursday, heading for a top of 20 degrees, overcast, dark clouds in yeah. the south. And you're not here tomorrow, but I'll tell you who is. Hamish Brayshaw will be in the chair alongside Dean Margetts. We're going to get Dean in to spend a couple of hours with us because uh, the umpires have certainly been the hot topic. And just quickly, Lincoln Tyne, Dan Lawson, uh, DJ Loiper, Jake McLeod and James Conran are all sharing the lead at the Queensland PGA at the Nudgee Golf Club. Speaking of golf, Mike Clayton joins us after seven. 30 News, and we spoke to Mike Clayton yesterday, so we didn't ask him about the Rory McIlroy comments in regards to Greg Norman, so uh, it's not that we don't want to mention it, it's just that we pre-recorded this interview with Mike Clayton yesterday before that happened. And don't forget tonight, from 6 o'clock, get behind the Wildcats, and if you want to go to uh, RAC Arena, they take on the South East yes. Melbourne Magic. No, South East Melbourne uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. You've got me saying it now. Blend, coffee fit for an Aussie, but a busy show today. Uh, don't forget, show your support for McHappy Day. That's this yes. weekend. Silly socks from Maccas for only $5. All money raised goes to helping the kids and the families. Amazing, amazing work Ronald McDonald House charities do. Guns and Roses are in town. Yeah, they are. Tomorrow, I think the concert is here at RAC. What's this place called? Optus Stadium. Optus Stadium, yeah. <laughs> Um, Rory McIlroy had a little, little. He can, he's the voice of the normal tour, the PGA, yep. and of course the European tour. Little, he's the opposition spoke. He's the opposition spokesman, isn't he? For the live. drive by for Greg Norman. Oh. There's a few things that I would like to see on the live side that needs to happen. I think Greg needs to go. I think he needs to just exit stage left. And look, he's he's made his mark, but I think now is the right time to to sort of say, look, you've. You know, you've got this thing off the ground, but no one's going to talk unless, you know, 
there's an adult in the room that can actually try to mend fences. Um, and if those two things happen, then things can things can happen. But right now, uh, it's a stalemate because it, there can't be any other way. That's a fairly... And an adult in the room. Yeah, that's a bit of a crack. There's a bit of a crack there. Uh, We spoke to Mike Clayton. He's a golf course designer, a golf media, um, former pro, of course, and played with Greg Norman and was uh, part of that uh, era through the 70s, 80s and early 90s of Australian golf. Mike Clayton, he's a golf course designer right now. And we spoke to him yesterday, so prior to... Prior to uh, those comments from Rory McElroy. And we're going to take a break and come back. Um, and Mike Clayton will join us as a pre recorded interview that we did with him yesterday, talking all things golf, including, including live. It's 26 away from eight. Well, Scotty, we love our golf, and uh, this is great golfing weather. Uh, But one man who uh, has walked many a fairway right around the world is one of the best in the business, and I'm talking of Mike Clayton has been kind enough to join us. We want to talk about a whole range of things. In particular, the news the other day is that the Grange in Adelaide is going to take over the Live Golf Australian arrival for a four-year deal. Hey, Mike, is that great news? How How did you welcome that news coming in the other day? Thanks for joining us. Uh, well, it's nice it's playing the Grange because we redid the West Course. Uh, I'm not sure. Greg redid the East. I, I think they're going to play a composite course. <laughs> so it's kind of nice that they've... Um, I'm not a fan of Liv, I have to say, but given that we're so starved of watching great players play down here, I guess it's... In that way, it's a good thing we get to watch some of the best players in the world, which we haven't seen, which we don't see very often. But... You know, I'm, as I said, I'm not a fan of Liv. I don't think it's a great thing. I don't like the funding. I, you know, I don't like much about it. Uh, you know, it, it's not a world tour in the sense that Peter Thompson saw it, which was a tour that created more jobs for more players. It's a, you know, it's a very small field, and it's look, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, Australians get to see players they wouldn't otherwise see. So in that mm. sense, it's a good thing, but that's the only good thing about it. Yeah, so Mike, do you, do you think that will will come a time that the golfing fraternity and the sporting public of the world will accept it, or by the time that we accept it as part of the calendar of sport, it will have intertwined back in with the PGA and the European Tour and, and the other tours? I don't think anyone knows the answer to that question. I think it'll take 20 years to play out. Mm. You know, it seems like their funding's unlimited, yeah, much completely unlimited. Yep. So it doesn't ever have to make a profit. Um, I guess they'll continue to pick off a few more top players because the money's so outrageous that they're getting paid. But, you know, I just don't think it's legitimate pro golf. I just think it's kind of an exhibition thing that's, that doesn't have that much credibility. And, you know, it's kind of blowing the game up. You know, the, the, the PJ Tour is not great either. It's got a moribund product that's been going for too long and too much of the same thing without any innovation on not very interesting courses most weeks. Yep. So that's not perfect either. So golf's kind of, you know, in the words of a friend of mine the other day, it's half pregnant. You know, it's, it's neither, you know, it's just sort of sitting in no man's land, tearing itself apart without anyone creating a really interesting um, series of events to watch. And, yeah, you know, I think there was a chance to do that with a world tour. You know, if they could have forty years ago captured all the great non-American players and created a world tour around them, Ballesteros and Norman and Price and all the great foreign players, then by now it would be the biggest tour in the world. But 
that never happened because you know it wasn't the fault of a bunch of 25 year old guys who were great players who didn't kind of see the opportunity. But you know, it's, 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 the, the world, you know, the golf world is so split now that no one knows where it's going, and we just have to sit and wait and watch. Really, Mike, we asked a lot of people, and and I'm really interested in, in your take on this. Is this, is it, is it the wake up call the PGA needed, and whether we like live or not, and, and how it, uh, as you said, how it's funded, and and where the money comes from. Regardless of that, is is this what the PGA needed to say, right? I get out of the dark ages. It's time to to step this game up a bit because it is just such a great game. I'm not, I'm not sure it's in the dark ages, but you know, it's, it's certainly what the players need in terms of the money because all of a sudden, Monaghan and the PGA Tour have found hundreds of millions of dollars to <laughs> give to the players. Yep. Yeah, you know, that the the PIP fund, which is basically appearance money after the fact, has gone to is that a hundred million dollars now. Um, I think it is spread amongst ten players. They've got a whole bunch of twenty million dollar tournaments now. So Mickelson's point about the tour sitting on a whole pile of money and not giving it out to the players to play for was proven to be absolutely right because they've found bucket loads of money. So yeah, I'm, yeah I just think that. I mean, those guys have got so much money now, they don't need to travel. When I was a kid, we watched Nicholas Palmer and Player come down here because, and, you know, they were paid by Dunlop Stasny to come and play as part of a deal I had with the club manufacturers. But we were so used to seeing the best players in the world, but the best players in the world now make so much more money than those guys did play, you know, than those guys made that they just can't be bothered ever coming here. But we never see them. But... Australia is largely irrelevant. We're just a small country on the bottom of the world that no one really cares about. But it's sad that we don't get to see the great players that we used to. Yeah. Absolutely. Mike Clayton's our guest, uh, golf course designer, also golf journalist and uh, former pro golfer. Champion. Of course, the yeah, absolute champion. Hey, Mike, uh, let's change things up a little bit. Um, Minji Lee, of course, let's talk a bit about yeah. women's golf. Absolutely dominant. We're very proud of what she's done over here. She's When we talk about uh, WA sports women and sports stars, whether it be man, woman or child, she, her name is at near the top of the list alongside a, like a Sam Kerr in soccer. She's a bona fide star of the tour. She's a bona fide star of World golf, is she not? She is, yeah. She's a fantastic player. She's had a great year. Um, Hannah Green, too. They're both, you know, it's amazing. Two kids from, mm. you know, Perth, which is a long way from anywhere. It's a hard place to travel from, and it's a, but it's got great weather. So, but to have two of the best women players in the world is amazing, really. Well, well it's not amazing. They've got Richie Smith is a really good coach. That You know, the weather's great over there. Yep. They're hard workers. They've been good players since they were young, so it's not surprising that they are where they are. But you know, they're both fantastic players to watch They're at the Australian Open in a couple of weeks. I haven't seen Minji play for a couple of years, and um, they're, they're both really interesting players to watch. Hannah, especially, I, mean, I really like her game. I think she's got a great golf swing and. She plays beautifully, so I'm really looking forward to seeing her play as well. We were just talking about cash before, Mike. Uh, I'll tell you what, yesterday we were watching, uh, uh, two days ago actually, yep. we were watching uh, Patrick Harrington just storm ahead. Well, I think he won by about seven or eight shots and picked up another, oh, I think he's won over three million. But uh, Steve Elko, the New Zealand golfer, just, he's just claimed the United States seniors too had taken his uh, earnings past 7.4 million. It's a great story. Well, he made he's made more in the last year than he's made in... 25 years on the tour, which is amazing. I mean, it's an incredible story because the Champions Tour is properly a closed shop. They don't want anyone on there who wasn't a star on the main tour. And he went and they have a two or a four spot qualifying every week. And if you make the top 10, you 
get into the next week. And he went and made the qualifying. You know, as soon as he was 50, he went out there and he made the qualifier on Monday, made the top 10, made it, and he kept making the top 10 until he basically won a tournament. And a year later, he's the top of the tour. It's an incredible story. Because he was a, I mean, Steve was a nice player, but he, like, he had a couple of years on the PGA Tour, never won out there, won a few nationwide events, won a few events here. But you know, it's extraordinary what he's done this year. It's just brilliant to see, really. It really is. Yeah, it's made, I mean, he's, you know, in one year he's set himself up financially for the rest of his life, really. Yeah, lots of emotion there, and uh, we, we were, as you said, we were watching it. And he's been around. He's been around a long time. And as you say, he's just he was in that. You know, when you'd say New Zealand golfers were, were going to play in Australia, oh, yes, Steve Velker, and he's always around the place. But this is remarkable. Life after fifty. Hey, uh, the Queensland PGA starts, and I noticed the field. And apart from one or two Kiwis, uh, it's all Aussies. Apart from one bloke from America, I've never heard of him, but he's got the best name in golf, oh, Devin Bling. Devin Bling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I'll tell you, he he lost the playoff, the, the final of the US Amateur, the Victor Hovland a couple of years ago, then got injured, and I know that because I caddied for Matt Goggin, who we're building the course at Seven Mile Beach for. I caddied for Matt Goggin in the Vic PGA last week, and he played in the first two days, <laughs> and he had a and he had a bad finish. He finished bogey, double bogey to finish twenty fifth or something, but he's like really good. He's a really good player, so um, he's out here for the next four tournaments. He's playing the uh, Queensland PGA, Australian PGA, Australian Open and the tournament at Warrigal and, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did really well over the next month. He's a nice kid, really good player and yeah, very cool name. Well, it's interesting because when you say plays Victor Hovland, Mark Leishman said Victor Hovland was going to be the next big thing. We Gilly interviewed yep. him uh, with a, with the, the, the feature interview, and he said, "Yep, Victor Hovland's my tip to be a player who's going to storm through the rankings and be, you know, one of the best in the world if he's not already in that." And then you've got Devin Bling, as Mike just mentioned. Uh, so, Mike, uh, they went on different paths, but you still think Devin Bling's got got a game? Well, he's really yeah. We played the first two rounds with him last week, and he played at, at Moon Links. He played really well. And he was pretty much in the top ten all week until the end. And he, when he double bogeyed the last hole, which was a kind of a, it wasn't an easy birdie hole, but it was a reachable par five. So that was a bit of a mess for him. But um, good player, really nice kid. I'm looking forward to seeing him play again at the Australian Open again in a couple of weeks. Mike, what do you got? On, what do you got on the books, mate? Uh, I just heard you say Seven Mile Beach is a course you're designing now. Got any others? Where is Seven Mile Beach? Seven Mile Beach is in Hobart. It's about ten minutes from Hobart Airport. Ah, is this uh, is this uh, the uh, courses that are going uh, to rival yeah. Lost Farm and and yeah. Uh, Boogle? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, I'm biased obviously, but it's an incredible bit of land. I'm doing it with a guy called Mike DeVries who built Kate Wickham, oh. American architect, and you know I think it's going to be uh, incredible. It's a great bit of land. We've we've shaped up most of the holes. We've got grass on about seven of them. And it opens at the end of next year, and it's it's definitely um, it's not a rival for Bamboogle, but it's uh, you know it's another addition to the amazing Tasmanian golf trail that's developing with Wickham and Bamboogle and Ocean Dunes and now Seven Mile Beach. It's going to be some of the best golf in Australia in Tasmania. Well, well, it's already there. This is just another one to add to it, and. Finally, Hobart gets a great golf course, which is important. Well, so, on behalf of all, all, all blokes, on behalf of all blokes, Mike, that uh, are always angling for a golf trip away from the uh, the family, uh, I thank you uh, because that's just made it a lot more enticing as well to get down to Tasmania and do that. Wow, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and it's, it's such an easy drive from 
Hobart up to Bamboogle yeah. or Bamboogle down to Hobart. You know, it's a world-class trip now, so uh, it's definitely worth doing. And uh, so, I'm, uh, so I'm down there next week. In fact, I'm not. I'm down there tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and for, for, for two days because next week, next two weeks, I'm coming for Elvis Smiley, who's obviously got Perth connections yeah. with his mother, yeah. Liz Sayers, who was a, grew up behind the third green at Cottesloe. Um, so I'm coming for Elvis for two weeks, which will be which will be good. He needs to play well to, uh, you know, he's got to try and get in the top three on the main list to get a card in Europe next year. So our plan is to win them both, the PGA and the Open. That's our plan. So that's what we're trying to do. Brilliant. Wish him the best. Might be a bit ambitious, but nah. Elvis is a he's a tremendous player. So. Um, only 20 years old, but I think he's got a shot at doing well over the next couple of weeks. Do you, car- can- do you carry the bag or do you pull a buggy? No, no, no self-respecting caddy ever puts a golf bag on a golf buggy, ever. <laughs> yeah, do you know who you're talking to? Ever. Mate, he's oh, never taken an easy option in his life. <laughs> Mate, not only would I put a bag on the buggy, I would attach it to a little motorised cart for the remote control. Hey, good on you, Mike. (laughs) Appreciate the chat, mate, and uh, all the best over the next couple of weeks. We'll keep an eye out on on Elvis Smiley and also Devin Bling because it is the best combination in golf. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. Yeah, I mean, they might be the two best names in golf, Elvis Smiley and Devin Bling. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Mike Clayton joining us. Uh, absolute legend of golf. And of course, golf journo, strong opinions. I love that. And uh, certainly uh, one of the best golf course designers in the business. Seven Mile Beach. Mark that down in your card. Already it's gonna, done it. It's going to be right next to the new football stadium down there. So you can go to the footy <laughs> when Tassie joined the AFL and go and play golf down there. It's courtesy of Mike Clayton. This is Scotty Ingalls. Good on those roads. Braden Becker is leading the Queensland PGA. He's three under through 12 holes. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't jinx him. Uh, we talked about Devin Bling right there and Elvis Smiley. Yeah, come, come up with some it. names. Well, if you're looking for uh, wild and woolly uh, names, you go straight to the States and you go straight to uh, the baseball. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Stubby Clap. <laughs> is his name Stubby Clap? Because we had Steely Green in the Pitcher studio. Pitcher St. Louis. What about Coco Crisp? He's a Cleveland Indian. Uh, cannonball Titcomb. <laughs> He's just a picture as well. That yep. Um, I've got Buff Bonza. <laughs> Buff Bonza's a pretty cool name. These are the Oakland A's. Um, this one will get you. Oh, here we what go. about Ha Ha Clinton Dix? Is that a name? <laughs> NFL player. <laughs> ha Ha Clinton Dix. And the last one, which no one wants. I mean, no one wants, and I feel for this player. NASCAR legend, American race driving legend. Dick Trickle. <laughs> well, it's no laughing matter, mate. Um, There's some weird names out there. We might uh, explore that a little bit more maybe next week when you're back in the studio. Tomorrow, Hamish Brayshaw and Dean Markets joins us. Enjoy your pucker-up yep. tour for three uh, days. Fantastic. Just a reminder, everyone, if you are struggling out there, go and see your doc. Be brave. Go see your doc and get on the right path. My favourite golfing name? Boo Weekly. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> Boo Weekly. Boo Weekly. Thanks for your company. Uh, as I mentioned, Hamish Brayshaw in the studio. Don't forget, tonight from 6 o'clock, I'll be joined by Andrew Vlahov. Yes. He'll get there at about 10 past 6. I'll be there at uh, <laughs> 6, preparing for the show. While well, that's take on the southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Phoenix. Fleet Network, WA's Novated, Novated Leasing Specialist. Can save you thousands on your dream car, fleetnetwork.com.au. And good luck to Braden Becker. Three under through 12. Yes, give it up, son.
Have a good day. Drive carefully on the roads. Only heading for a top of 20 degrees. 17 tomorrow. We've got some rain on the way. And if you're coming to Guns N' Roses tomorrow... Yeah, let it rip. <laughs> Enjoy. On your radio tomorrow from 6. Boom, 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 bo